Cool. Awesome. Uh, very excited to be here on a live interview for a pretty normal podcast, joined by Pete Bombacci, the founder of the GenWell Project. It is amazing to have you on here to talk about a very important issue and a foundation, an organization that is doing something that is very, very important. How are you tonight? Xavier, I couldn't be happier, but it's more because of the energy that you bring to what you do that gets me excited about this conversation. Hey, well, in a, a cycle of, of ways, you make me excited to bring this excitement because of the things that you're doing and helping the way that you're helping society. So it's going to be a great interview and let's get it started. I love it, my man. Love it. Amazing. So thank you, everybody who's watching. I am joined here by Pete Bombacci, the founder of the GenWell Project, which is a Canadian organization dedicated to making the world a healthier and happier place by reminding people about the importance of face-to-face -face social connection as a proactive health action that they can take and inspiring them to take action. That is an honorable mission, and I am very excited to be here with you tonight, Pete. How are you? I'm good, Xavier. Thank you, man. And I couldn't. That was uh, well-read. And I don't think I could have done it better myself, even uh, though I've done it a million times. So thank you for, <laughs> uh, for being spot on with that. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, first, I do know, I see here that you started your career actually in the alcohol beverage industry. So uh, a little bit different from what you were doing now. So how did you get to this place? Yeah, it's interesting. The transition I made from for-profit to not-for-profit uh, and I, I say this to a lot of young people that I that I speak with now. And I, I when I was in the for-profit world, you know, I think we all need purpose in our lives. And even though I was in the for-profit world, and at times I think our the business tried to connect it itself back to purpose, mm -hmm. what I always found myself doing was participating in charity activities, whether it was with the business or even outside, working it out of the cold, which is a homeless shelter, uh, working with a friend who'd started up a charity. And one of the things that really happened was I was volunteering or I, I fell upon a thing called Movember, the mustache charity, which you might be familiar with, mm -hmm. the men's health charity. And I was volunteering with them while I was uh, working at Molson. And when I left the for-profit world, I had the opportunity to run the Canadian campaign for Movember uh, just because I was in the right place doing what I was passionate about and helping other people. Because I really do believe that if you put yourself into scenarios that make you shine, when you're the happiness, when you're doing what really resonates with you as a human being, mm -hmm. that that's when you're going to shine your brightest. And then that's when people are going to say, Xavier, I want you to come and work for me mm -hmm. because that's what, you know, that's what we all want. We want to be happy and we want to be engaged. And that's when people hopefully will find us. And that was a transition over into the not-for-profit world. And then Genwell was really, there was a summer blackout on the Eastern Seaboard back in 2003. And during that blackout uh, in Toronto, New York, all over the Eastern Seaboard, people went without power for two to seven days. And what I witnessed that day 
was the fact that when you gave people the opportunity to get connected, because most of us were living in a fast paced, distracted and pressure filled world, mm -hmm. and we weren't making the time not only just to connect with our own family, but even our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues. And what happened over those course of those two to seven days, depending on where you were, was that everybody started connecting, connecting mm -hmm. with their friends, their family, their neighbors. And when I ask people today who went through that, and all of us can think of it, whether it was a whether it's a flood, some type of catastrophic weather event, we've all been through a snowstorm. But when we actually are given the opportunity to be kind, to connect, to help other people, we see it in the middle of this pandemic. We are an amazing human species. We do step up to help each other, mm. but we need to take that outside of the crisis and make that something a little more normal. And that's what the goal of the Genwell Project is all about. That's amazing. And it's interesting, right? The way that a, catastroph a catastrophic event like that could either bring people together. I think I saw the same thing happen here uh, in New York after 9-11. It brought the city together. Sure. And then, but it, uh, like, you know, an event like that could also cause people to f become more reclusive, you know, a death of a family member or something like that. That could get people to feel more lonely and become more reclusive. So it's interesting the way, the different ways it has effects on people. And it's a great comment, Xavier, and a, and a really important part of our campaign is about educating people on the importance of human connection. It makes you happier. It makes you healthier. It increases your longevity. And our comment is always, hey, if you're in a great place, if, you're, if you've got those social networks and bonds around you that are going to keep you happy and healthier, well, here's the really powerful part. And I like to call this the dirty little secret. Mm -hmm. You know, when you reach out to other people, and you actually help them at a time when they're not feeling well, that actually makes you feel even better. Mm. And so I think what we all need to recognize, and again, most of us were never educated on this information, Xavier. So what we all need to recognize is right now, especially in the middle of a pandemic, picking up a phone call, scheduling a Zoom call, getting a FaceTime, anything that you do to connect with other, pe other people may be the greatest gift that we can give to each other right now which mm. is reaching out and having a conversation because none of us know what's happening behind the four walls of your neighbor's house. Most of us don't know what's happening in our extended family's homes, mm -hmm. but we all know that we all will survive better through challenges in our lives when we have people around us. Mm. And tell me about how the pandemic exactly uh, might have reshaped your strategy or something because obviously loneliness was something that was was a problem even before the pandemic. The pandemic kind of exacerbated it because we had to go into lockdown and people had to go into isolation. But this was a problem even before that. And it's a unique problem where the age is just everyone. You see a problem with seniors feeling loneliness and then you see a problem with younger generations also feeling loneliness. So how did the pandemic kind of uh, affect your strategy going forward? Uh, Xavier, honestly, my friend, you are all all over this already. You totally understand this. So right. let, let's say this. Let's first off say that the, the challenges that we tried to address with the Genwell Project, we started in 2016. The reality is we were living in the most fast-paced, distracted, and pressure-filled world in history long before the pandemic. We were mm -hmm. more disconnected. We've lived in the greatest growth era in the history of the world since the Second World War, and yet we've created the most individualistic society in history. Mm -hmm. And so we believed that we could get through this world on our own. And now we're waking up as we go through the pandemic and recognizing, holy cow, when I don't have those excuse me, those casual collisions every day that I have, whether it's with a neighbor or the folks at the office around the water cooler, or maybe it's calling a friend or whatever. When I don't have that opportunity 
to have those run-ins, it really does impact us. And that's what the research shows. And mm. so as we headed into the pandemic, the first thing we did at GenWell is we started up a, a video series, an, in, an interview series called Connected Conversations. And what we wanted to do was interview people that could actually connect us to some of the solutions on how we could stay better connected and why we should stay better connected as we were being more isolated in our own homes. But mm -hmm. our message was always about the power of human connection. We were never an anti-technology campaign. Mm -hmm. Our goal was to find the balance. Technology is here to stay. And mm -hmm. actually, let's look at what technology has actually done for us over the course of the pandemic, because I would suggest to you that we've actually started to use technology in a better way. Because mm -hmm. most of us were only passively scrolling through social media feeds mm -hmm. and feeling the anxiety building and also the waste of time from social media. Whereas now, look at what you and I are doing. You and I are having an incredible conversation. Hopefully, there's some people that are watching that will actually benefit from hearing this information. Well, isn't that the power that mm -hmm. technology was originally intended to give us? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what we've dealt with on most of the occasions or what we've seen in the media pre-pandemic was really the unintended consequences that we're all waking up to that, you know, tech is there and and, and we live in a, 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 a distraction economy. You know, mm -hmm. we have groups of behavioral psychologists that are working to make us to be addicted to technology mm -hmm. for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. But there are so many beauty, beautiful things about technology. And one of them is what we're doing right now. Mm. And yeah, I, I've had this conversation with my wife before where we read things that say this is like the loneliest time that, that people have ever felt, yet we have mediums now where you can go on Facebook and join a very niche group, like, you know, something knitting for blah, 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 and very specific groups that you can join and feel like you're still in a community, and yet we still face this. I know there's a lot of factors, obviously, that go into this, but if you had to take a stab at it, why do you think this is? Why do we still feel so lonely even though we have so many mediums of connection? Oh, well, I think it really comes back to we need human connection and we do need to get back to the face-to-face -face connection, whether it's students going to school, whether it's seniors and seeing their family. You know, it doesn't matter, as you pointed out right at the top, this isn't just about seniors. A lot of people thought that what we were launching in 2016 was a seniors campaign. Mm -hmm. This is a campaign about all of us. 50% of CEOs suggest and entrepreneurs say that they're lonely and feel lonely and disconnected at times throughout the course of the year. We know that seniors are an issue. We know that young people, I think the stat in Canada, for example, 73% of university students say that they feel lonely and isolated throughout the course of a, an mm -hmm. annual university uh, year at school. And that's mm -hmm. before we were actually doing it remotely from home. Mm -hmm. So we know more than ever, we know that young new mothers struggle with loneliness and isolation. We know that people have worked that were working too much dealt with isolation and loneliness and disconnection. And the reality is what most of us were never educated on, Xavier, is the fact that human connection. And now the research is clearer than ever before, that it reduces anxiety and depression, increases empathy, compassion, resilience, something that we can all benefit from, certainly in the world that we live in today, strengthens our immune system, our self-confidence, and increases, can increase our chances of living longer by up to 50%. Mm -hmm. But none of us were ever educated on Most of us were told to go to the gym, and we were told to eat better. And those things are really important. But if we're missing that really one key pillar about what truly makes us happy and healthy, now is the time to educate people while we're conscious, while we're aware in the middle of a pandemic, when we're disconnected more than ever. Mm -hmm. Hey, 
we need to get connected. And if it's virtual for the time being, that's awesome. But let's make sure that when we get that opportunity to connect face-to-face on the other side of this, and that's what we want to do. We want to be the catalyst that inspires people through education and by empowering us through you know, specific weekends, specific occasions where we want to drive people to say, hey, this weekend, why not reach out to a neighbor? Why not reach out to a senior? Why not reach out to your own family? Why not spend time doing X, Y, and Z? Because most of us just need little encouragement mm-hmm. and maybe an excuse or a catalyst to make it happen. Mm. And I think that's so important what you said earlier about the education part of it and actually educating people on the harms that loneliness can mm-hmm. can bring and also solutions to it. So I want to just say some statistics that I saw on here when I was researching for this interview and I wouldn't have known unless like I actively went out and looked for it. So loneliness increases the likelihood of mortality by 26%. Loneliness is associated with an increased risk of developing coronary heart disease and stroke, and it increases the risk of high blood pressure. Like these are not just uh, harms to your mental health, it's your physical health as well. Uh, Xavier, I couldn't agree with you more, and I'm glad you called out those ones because a lot of people do think that we're a mental health campaign. And, mm-hmm. and two things I'll say about the Genwell Project is number one is we're not a mental health campaign, we're a proactive human connection movement. And by saying that, what I want to do is really focus people on using human connection as a tool that they can use to stay happy and Mm -hmm. stay healthy. We have to stop as a society waiting until people are sick before we try to help them. We know that the medical system costs a lot of money, whether it's government funded or it's people paying for it. Either way, it costs a lot of money. And if we can get people to take some simple, basic steps. And the thing I love about, you know, when people told us to go to the gym for the last 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, going to the gym is fun. Some people love it. But who doesn't? Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's, I, I'm generalizing. But if we're talking about having a coffee with your family member, we're talking about going. It's really about being conscious and making the time. Mm-hmm. And so that education that you just described is so important to say, look, They now say that uh, social connection is more a a better indicator of your health than smoking, obesity, and high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. So some of the greatest indicators of how our health is going are now we need to think about social connection as one of the greatest indicators is how connected are you? Do Mm -hmm. you feel you have a support network in place? Because if you do, to your point, you will be happier both mentally and physically. And it's it's important whether it's remote or it's face-to-face, right? Even if you don't know the people that you have this sense of community with, it's still important. I'll say two things there. You kind of there's two things you said there. So virtual mm-hmm. is in, in a situation like the pandemic, and when we don't have many other options, then virtual is a great opportunity and a great way to stay connected. At the end of the day, what we do need, and if we, a lot of the research is showing that the single thing that people are missing right now is human touch. Mm-hmm. We're missing hugs. We're missing kisses. We're missing fist bumps and high five because that's where we get the emotion of actually feeling connected because you hear it a lot of the time on Zoom, you know, on, on podcasts like this where people say, yeah, but, you know, because honestly, exactly, the first thing I would have done if you and I had been in a room, I probably would have shook your hand and given you a hug. You yep. know, we, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if you didn't care about Mm -hmm. the world and making a difference in the world. So, you know, we're missing that aspect of it. But as far as using technology, you touched on it, whether it was knitting, playing guitar, sharing whatever your passions are, this is a great way to connect people 
on common themes and interests. Chasing passions is a really important part, and especially in the midst of a pandemic, what a great way to find something that can keep you focused on the positive and focused on moving you and your life forward by learning a new skill or sharing some time with other people. If we can't do it in person, this is a great way to supplement the relationships, but mm -hmm. we do need to get back to the face-to-face -face relationships that we will all crave when this is over. Yeah, I think that's super important. And I can't help but say you are extremely well-spoken. You seem very uh, uh, friendly. I know this is not face-to-face. -face. <laughs> I think that if we were in the same room, we would have the same conversation and we've just met. So it doesn't seem like you're an introverted person. And obviously it's, it's easier said than done for a lot of these things for people that are introverted, where you, know, you could tell them you got to make these social connections. It's healthy for you and all these things but it's just difficult for them. So what are the challenges that the GenWell project faces when it comes to reaching out to people like that who really need it and it's really difficult for them? Uh, Xavier, I really appreciate you asking that question because I think we, you know, it's too easy for us. And I use the, I use the phrase uh, talkative Tom and, and chatty Kathy. We all know mm -hmm. that there are people out there who love to be socially connected. They're the first people at all the barbecues, all the skating parties, all the different things, whether it's a, an office or whether it's a, a city. And what we do need to think about is, you know, what is it that those other people might be interested in? Maybe it's a cultural divide, but maybe it is about being an introvert. And I, I, I'd respond to that with two things. Number one, introverts need human connection as much as extroverts do. Mm -hmm. They just might need it less often or they might need it in, in smaller groups. They don't want to come to the big street party. But when we talk about the GenWell project and we have our two weekends a year that we identified as uh, GenWell weekends, which were really just uh, excuses, you know, a catalyst to encourage people to go out and talk to other people, make an occasion, get together. We always said it could be a coffee with a neighbor. It could be a street long party. It could be a basketball game. We didn't care how many people or what you did. Mm -hmm. What we wanted you to do was actually just take the step that you were comfortable with to get connected. So for an introvert, it might be a cup of coffee. That might be the extent of what they're capable of, uh, capable of doing. Mm -hmm. But also to my earlier point, if I know you are an introvert, Xavier, then I would actually hope, and this is part of our messaging, which is really about raising the consciousness of the benefit that you can provide to somebody else just by reaching out and having a conversation. Mm -hmm. If you have a neighbor on your street, if you know a colleague that is, you know, somewhat introverted and introverted, and you see them when they walk through the cafeteria and their heads down, not looking at a phone, but just because they're 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 just they're just fearful. Mm -hmm. Then every one of us who feels more comfortable, in my opinion, I'll use the word responsibility, but Heck, let's just say, you know, as a human condition, let's just think about what it's like to be that person and, mm -hmm. and the difference that you could make in the life of somebody else by knocking on a neighbor's door who might be a little more introverted or a senior who has lax mobility. I have a deaf sister, so maybe it's somebody with a handicap who struggles mm -hmm. to, to get outside. The reality is there's so many people out there that would benefit from our outreach and what we need to do is just raise that consciousness and give people some ideas and tools and, and catalysts to make it happen. Mm. And another statistic that I, I had seen, another uh, paper said that people who lost their spouse felt better after just two hours a week of volunteering. Like it really helped them fight their loneliness after they had lost a spouse. And it can be extended to not just people in those circumstances, like just volunteering 
it's a good thing and it will make you feel good and you'll be around people. It sucks that right now we can't do it in person because I think, you know, cleaning up the beach would be a great activity for people. But there are other ways. I know there are plenty of charities out there that are still doing fundraisers and stuff. And I think that's also important to educate people on that. You know, just those two hours a week will make you feel better. Yeah. Um, such an important message, Xavier. And you are all over this topic. So thank you for doing the research that you've done. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to share a story that uh, in the first year of launching the Genwell project, I had an, uh, a gentleman reach out to me and he's from a, a suburb of Toronto called Ajax. And he uh, he reached out to me and and he I think he sent me a text. Uh, he sent me a, a, a an email to our, our inbox at info at genwellproject.org first. And he said, you know, I saw your campaign, you know, he was suspicious. You kind of, what are you guys up to? You know, so I kind of, I kind of went back to him and said, he, you know, he said, what are you selling? I said, actually nothing. There was, we don't, there's no for-profit side to this and we, we do need to pay bills. But at that point we, uh, we weren't trying to sell anything. We we're just trying to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And once I had a chance to get to know him, I actually went and had a coffee with him and he was uh, about 60 years old. He was an Italian gentleman. And he said, um, I burnt every bridge in my life. He said, I, I, my kids don't talk to me. I'm obviously divorced. Uh, I don't have any old people that I used to work with that still speak to me. My neighbors, I've moved so many times, I don't know. And I live in an apartment building now. I don't know anybody there. And he said, and I don't, you know, I don't have any connections that I can go to. So what do you suggest for me? Mm -hmm. And so first off, I was thrilled to be able to have a conversation with them because, you know, we all need to be seen. We all need to be heard. We all need to feel like we belong. And Maslow shared that with us, you know, as part of his hierarchy of needs back in 1943. But my answer to him was volunteer, mm -hmm. because as you point out, you know, when you volunteer, you, you get an opportunity to work with other people that are like-minded, who understand the importance of connecting with other people, whether it's the person that you're helping or whether it's with the other people who stood up and said, I want to make a difference in the world and want to have some purpose, and they too want to get connected. So you're putting yourself into a group of people that are probably going to, you know, A, be thankful but be more likely to probably engage in a great conversation with you. And as I said earlier, I, I love the I love the line of the dirty little secret. The dirty little secret is when you, you know, we all, for those who haven't participated and haven't done a lot of volunteering, the greatest message is, hey, when you volunteer, you think you're doing it for them. Mm -hmm. You're actually doing it for you. And, and it's probably a bit of both. Mm -hmm. But for the person who's in that situation, you know, anybody who's watching this conversation tonight, or in the rerun, if they're feeling lonely and isolated and they don't know where to turn, yes, there's a lot of 1-800 lines out there through the pandemic. You know, if you're feeling that stress and that anxiety, then pick up the phone and call somebody. But if you're feeling like you, you just need a little direction and you just need to know where to go, I think your thought is a great one, which is pick up the phone, go onto the web, find out the local charities that are looking for some support, whether it's a food bank, whether it's a homeless shelter, of course, we're all trying to follow local COVID protocols. So mm -hmm. make sure you're doing that. But what an amazing way to give back at a time when more people need help than ever before. Mm. And I think the best part of that is that it's a healthy community and it's it's feeling like you're a part of something that's doing well. Because I think the another problem of, of loneliness is that you feel real vulnerable. So anybody that will take you in and you feel like a community 
you rush to. So I, I don't know about in Canada, but we have a problem here with online radicalization where people fall into these, you know, online groups and they get radicalized. They start thinking, you know, white supremacist uh, uh, conspiracy theories and all these other things. And you are just susceptible to that because you feel so lonely that you feel like you found a place of belonging. So I think having healthy community is also really important. Uh, Xavier, 100%. Let's make sure that we are clear that this isn't just an issue in the United States of America. This is an issue around the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had some incidents up here right in Toronto uh, where uh, a young man uh, drove down a street, uh, down Young Street in a van and and killed some people. Mm -hmm. And that was because he was part of some group that he was following online. Uh, There was another shooting uh, along the Danforth here. You know, we have them everywhere. And, and, I, and I think it's a really important message that human connection is one of the greatest ways that we can overcome these challenges. What I know we can't, I, one way I know we can't overcome it is by tweeting at each other and, you know, saying nasty stuff to each other, saying you're an idiot, you're a goon, you're a whatever. You know, the reality is when we have a chance, and that's what the research shows, empathy and compassion. Jamil Zaki uh, out of Stanford has uh, written a book called The War for Kindness, which is an incredible book that really speaks to the power of bringing people together so that we can talk to each other, we can care for each other, we can empathize with why do you think that way? Oh my God, I understand that. I can see how you feel that way. Mm-hmm. But hey, I hold no, I hold no spite against you. Can we move forward? Can we work together? Can we build a world where you're happy, I'm healthy, or and I'm happy, and together we're all happier and healthier as a society and as a community? So, yeah, you know what? Political polarization is a huge issue, um, and, and obviously all other types of segmentation of the population out there. But if we could create these opportunities for people to feel that they could come together, not because we're trying to bring two, you know, radicalized organizations together, but because we're actually coming together to celebrate human connection. I think the real key of the Genwell project is that we're not trying to focus on an issue or a cause. We're trying to focus on bringing people together to celebrate human connection and celebrate life. Too often we wait till people die before we have a celebration of life. What's that all about, Xavier? Why do we wait till people die? Don't get so, the yeah. You don't get the roses till till you can't smell them. And the another worst part about that is family doesn't come together unless it's a funeral. Like you don't see a lot of family members unless it's time to come together for a funeral. There's a great uh, there's a great commercial and it's out of I think it's out of Sweden. Uh, it's probably two three years ago and as a grandfather who was trying to get his family together again, living in the distracted world that we were in, fast paced, and he sent out a death notice. And he was trying to get his family together for Christmas dinner and he couldn't. So he sent out a death notice to all of his family and said that he had passed away. And, and he was inviting people back for the celebration of life. And as everybody showed up, of course, he was still alive. <laughs> and it, it is honestly, you have to go check out this commercial. I think it was a grocery store out of Sweden. But it's one of the most powerful and thought-provoking commercials you can ever watch. Because you're kind of like, holy cow, it took us... It took somebody to die before we would make the time to go and spend time with them. How crazy is that? Yeah. And I hope if the silver lining of this pandemic was that it just made people say, hey, you know, I want to pick up that phone and I want to call this family or this friend because, you know, the news is saying a lot of uh, things that are making me really worried right now. And I just want to check up on everyone. And I hope that was at least the silver lining that people picked up the phone and called people that maybe they hadn't spoken to in years.
Hey, uh, I'm with you. There's there's so many, you know, there are a lot of people that are struggling as a result of the pandemic. So first and foremost, let's acknowledge that some people don't get to see the silver linings. Mm-hmm. But but for those who had the blessing to have food, water, shelter, safety and security, who've had the opportunity to focus on, OK, you know, what next and human connection. When you look at, you know, Maslow's hierarchy, love and belonging, it really is the next step is, you know, if some people were able to focus on building stronger connection or at least figuring out who those people were that they could reach out to for their own health and for the health of the other person, mm-hmm. well, that's a beautiful silver lining, my friend. That would be uh, that would be a great outcome. And hopefully just the start of what we recognize now having gone through the pandemic as to how mm-hmm. much we really do need each other. Mm, couldn't agree more. And you emphasize that this is not an anti-tech organization. Is that a th- is there people that believe that technology is the reason for this uh, problem with loneliness? Like, is there people on that side of it that think it's more of a problem than a solution? Uh, yes. <laughs> y- yes. And I would say, hey, I think we have to be very honest with ourselves. You know, the research I was looking at pre-COVID was that the average person was now spending up to 12 hours a day on screens. Mm-hmm. And now the last piece of research that I saw out of Harvard said that the average person was now spending 40% more time on our screen. So that now has us as 15, 16 hours a day on screens. Mm-hmm. Xavier, I know you know how many hours there are a day in a, in, you know, in a day. Uh-huh. And, and if you're sleeping seven to eight hours a day and you're on screens 15 to 16, how much is left for us to spend time connecting with other people? Not much. Not much. Now, let's be clear. The increase to 15, 16 hours a day may include some, you know, face to face time like we're doing right now. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just, again, our message is not anti-technology. It's raising the consciousness. If I tell you how important human connection is for your health and I show you the stats about how much time we're spending on different platforms and technology and what scrolling through passively through social media does for our emotional health and the amount of time it's taking away from doing the things that you could be doing that make you happier and healthier, well, then I think most people will actually start to make small changes. And you can't just tell them once. This is about building a movement that takes time. We got to this place over 50, 60, 70 Mm -hmm. years. We're not going to change the world overnight. People aren't going to put down the phones and start hanging out with each other, you know, 12 hours a day. But if today I can get you to spend 10 more minutes and then tomorrow I can get you to think about it one more time. And then bit by bit on the other side of this pandemic, we now say, hey, Xavier, you and I are going to actually put something in the calendar every week for 30 minutes, whether it's on Zoom because we can't connect today because we're, you know, you're working here or maybe we're still in the midst of the COVID. At least we're making a regular routine to get connected. Mm-hmm. And then when we can get back to it, then maybe you and I can go grab a coffee and sit on a patio somewhere and do it the way we all want to do it, the way we need to do it. Mm-hmm. But let's not give up on that connection through the rest of the pandemic. Let's make sure we celebrate it on the other side and get back together face to face. Yes, couldn't have said it better. And <laughs> do you think that there is still a stigma around being lonely? Like, I know it's more open now where people say that, you know, they're going to a therapist or they're seeing uh, uh, help. And that's more open where there's less stigma around that. Do you still think that there's a stigma around saying, you know, like, I experience loneliness? Uh, yes. And I think it's it's two things. The reason I think 
most people, we have the campaign to end loneliness in the UK, and there's a coalition to end uh, isolation and loneliness in the US now, um, which are filled with really smart people that are doing great work. But I think there's a word that that I've been using. First off, we're trying to focus at the Genwell Project. We're trying to focus on the solution, not the issue. So first off, we're a human connection movement. We're not specific about isolation and loneliness. We're about the benefits of human connection, whether it's isolation and loneliness or you just had a shitty day. Mm-hmm. You know, the reality is we're all going to go through ups and downs. It could be illness. It could be relationships. It could be, you know, pressure at school or work. All those things can make us feel, uh, can, can make us struggle. And human connection, a new piece of research out of uh, Massachusetts General only three months ago, the single greatest thing that we can do to avoid depression is actually spending time with other people. Mm. So, you know, all these organizations are doing great thing. But I still think the stigma is there when you say the word loneliness. We always think, most people think of seniors. They're like, mm-hmm. loneliness? Oh, that's just old people. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no. And I love using the word disconnected because people, young people like us, when you put this thing up, can I, can you feel, have you ever felt disconnected, mm-hmm. Xavier? Yeah. Who hasn't felt disconnected? So I think by using different terminology and focusing on the solution, I think we can open the door to more people to say, yeah, that's me. I felt I felt that way before. Mm. And yeah, you know what? I would love to have more education, more information and a catalyst so that I wouldn't feel so awkward. I'm a social guy, as we pointed out earlier, but I'm still not the guy that would go to my neighbor's door and go, hey, (laughs) you want to go have a coffee? I need a reason. I need somebody to say, hey, we're supposed to do it because this is good for us. Okay, well, mm-hmm. then then I'll go do that. I could mm-hmm. I could go do that. But it's tough for people to get over that physical or emotional barrier of reaching out to people because it's just not something we've been in the habit for a long time. Yeah. And I think it's it's important to to note that, like, you know, I think everybody at some point feels either alone or they just want alone time. Like they make the conscious decision to say, you know, I just want to be by myself and I just want to not be around any other people. It's when it's like a prolonged thing that it becomes a real problem where you really feel reclusive to society and you feel like you can't pick up that phone or you can't, you know, have that conversation. Well, and hey, you've laid it out well, Xavier, alone and lonely are two completely different things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who are very good at being alone. But lonely is a subjective feeling that when you are alone, you wish you had, you know, uh, a greater human connection in your life. If the amount of people that you see on a daily, weekly, hourly basis is different than what you want, that is where the separation is creating the lonely feeling that you might have. And Mm -hmm. to your point, you know, being lonely in the short term isn't a bad thing because that actually will encourage a lot of people to go and take the steps and, and do the things that will make them feel more connected. On mm. a normal time, non-pandemic, you might go down to the local coffee shop, you might have a coffee and sit there and talk to some people. You may not know them, but you might you might have a conversation mm-hmm. and that might, might be enough for you. The mm. challenge now is really in the midst of a pandemic, those casual conversations don't happen. Mm-hmm. And so we're forced to, you know, really work at building the connection because you have to reach out on Zoom and say, hey, Xavier, do you want to get to, you want to get together? Can we book a Zoom? Can we make it part of the calendar? Mm-hmm. All the casual conversations are gone. So it yeah. takes a lot for people. And if you're a, if you're an introvert or you're, uh, you know, uh, you tend to be isolated and maybe have feelings of loneliness, 
it can be a challenging time for people. So that's why we want to wake people up to just how important this is and the benefit they can have just by reaching out. Hey, and so I have a comment here from a user. Uh, they said, maybe you answered this before, but why do you think people feel lonely despite of not being alone, since this could lead to more antisocial behavior? Why do you think people feel lonely despite of not being alone? Oh, that's an interesting one. So I think what I'm what I'm hearing in the question is, you know, you might have people all around you, mm -hmm. but you still feel alone, <laughs> you know. Uh, I didn't see the name of the person there, but you know, Hey, I've, I've felt that way, Angie. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Xavier. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've certainly felt that way. And it's when you don't feel like you are, you don't, you're not part of your community. You don't feel like you belong for one reason or another. You know, if it's in work, it may be because you believe that you're not in alignment with what everybody else is doing or thinking you know, on the home front, it may be, you know, you're just disconnected. You have a different way of approaching the world or life or the day. You know, there's so many different ways that we can feel like we're not being included. And that's really a diversity and inclusion message as well, which is, you know, diversity. We can, you know, that's a number. How many people have we hired that are not like us? Mm -hmm. Inclusion is a day-to-day -day effort to make sure that we and the people around us feel like they're part of whatever that institution or that uh, that family community uh, is together. And I think it's, again, raising people's consciousness that inclusion, making people feel like they belong, takes effort. It takes effort from the leaders. And when they demonstrate it, it takes effort from all of us to recognize that that person beside you on either side may not feel as comfortable as you do. And what could you do to make them feel more included? Mm, yes. And I think also... There should be no limit to the amount of communities and connections that you feel a part of because, you know, I think often we focus so much on romantic relationships with people like saying, okay, if they have a boyfriend or they have a husband, they shouldn't feel lonely. They have a partner and everything. But it's important that to know that you still have hot to you should have hobbies. You should do those volunteer times. You should have friends that you speak with. It shouldn't just solely be relied on one person as your your kind of like shoulder to lean on. Xavier, I need to hire you. you. You need to be an ambassador for the GenWell project, my friend. Oh, um, well, I would be honored. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you 100% understand this from so many different perspectives. The reality is if the, if the one person that you are connected to or you feel connected to, if, if for some reason that relationship gets strained, how's that going to make you feel? Mm -hmm. Well, what, that is when isolation and loneliness steps in because you don't have anywhere else to turn. Mm -hmm. But the greatest thing that we can all do is we can build multiple connections, multiple relationships. You know, again, I kind of paraphrase what Maslow said. You've got friends and family. You've got neighbors. You've got colleagues. You know, when we talk about belonging, there's so many different groups. When we I say aspirations. So you talk about, um, you know, chasing your dreams and passions. You know, connecting with people because you love music or you love knitting or you love charity at the top of Maslow's hierarchy and giving back and self-actualization. You know, the reality is there's so many ways to build connections. And the greatest thing that we can all do, and I think we struggled with this for the last few decades, is we focus so much on work because we were fulfilling our need for you know, whether it was ego, whether it was money, whether it was, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses, that we lost the balance. 
And then what happens when that job is lost and all of a sudden you haven't built any of those other relationships Mm -hmm. and you don't have that job in the community that you used to go and spend time with every day, even Mm -hmm. the fact that we're all working from home now, which I think has created a lot of pressure and struggle for people. But the reality is we need, you know, life is all about balance. All those Mm -hmm. other relationships are the ones that will be there when one of those things falls to the side, like you stop showing up for your guitar lesson. Well, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your neighbors, all those other relationships can support you through the changes because we are going to have ebbs and flow in our life and having that balance in there will make sure that you get through it in the best way possible. Mm. And what are some of the valuable lessons that you can pass along to other entrepreneurs, other CEOs? Like, it seems like this is just a, a, even if you want to just break, break it down to a financial thing for your business, this seems like a good thing to do. If your employees are happy and they feel like they're a part of something, they will probably be more productive and it will be good for business. So what kind of lessons do you give to other entrepreneurs? Because it seems like a social impact is, is very core to your mission, but you know, other businesses that don't have that social aspect to it, what are some reasons why they should incorporate that more? Well, hey, uh, all the stats and all the research show uh, that the benefits of a highly connected workplace basically align with every objective that every CEO and business leader has been trying to achieve for the last three, four decades. Now, this has all kind of come to light in the last couple couple decades because we've become more focused on work. We're spending less, less time with our community, with our family. So what does it what does a greater a high a, a more connected workplace greater creativity greater retention greater attraction of new employees uh greater productivity greater um uh collaboration all the things that we want as a business come from actually making sure that your employees are are very well connected and face-to-face connections this is a harvard study a face-to-face business conversation is 32 times more productive than doing something over email. Mm-hmm. So right now we're stuck. We've got to use technology. You know, Zoom is certainly a step in the right direction. But again, if you're trying to build relationships in a world where people don't have a lot of time, you know, we all are uh, defaulting to the people that we know and we trust. I need somebody to design something. I'm not going to go try and find somebody new if I know somebody and I trust them and I know they do great work. Mm-hmm. So it makes it really important for us to build those relationships that help us, you know, do great work to maintain our business relationships and help us make our jobs easier, make our businesses more successful. And maybe the most important thing is make sure that our employees are living a happy and healthy life while they're, you know, being uh, great contributors to the business. Hey, so that's the private sector. Now on the flip side, how can governments get more involved in combating loneliness? In my research, I saw uh, a couple years ago, the UK implemented a minister for loneliness. That was something that they wanted to do because they had a a study that said 9 million people living in the UK uh, felt loneliness. So that's something they really wanted to combat. And I don't know, is there something Canada's doing? Is there, there other ways that the government can get involved? No, I would suggest that Canada is a little behind the, the 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 times in regards to stepping it up in regards to isolation and loneliness and the impact, and really about celebrating human connection. As you say, the campaign to end loneliness, which I think is just celebrating its tenth year now, mm-hmm. um, has been doing great work and doing some great research or sharing great research about the importance. Their focus is really on seniors. 
in the in the U.S., the uh, coalition to end uh, social isolation and loneliness is really just getting underway. But they've got some of the smartest people in the space uh, on that community. And that will be something that I think will start getting rolled out with the support of government. I think this is the real message uh, about why um, why I think governments need to get involved mm-hmm. is, first off, the long-term implications of isolation and loneliness. You touched on them at the top of the show, which is, you know, there's a direct correlation to diabetes, dementia, heart disease, uh, chronic illness, uh, early early onset of death. So, you know, none of those in themselves, uh, well, they all sound bad even in themselves, but combined, you look at it and say, holy cow, you're telling me that isolation and loneliness and a feeling of disconnection from one another can actually lead to some of the the worst illnesses that we could face as a society. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, we tend to live in crisis mode. We're good with asking people for a drug when we've been diagnosed with something if you've been if you've got if you've been diagnosed with cancer unfortunately you know we all want to find the solution well with human connection the goal here needs to be saying okay well if we know that people that get lonely and isolated face all these additional challenges what's the solution do we wait till they're lonely and isolated before we actually try to help them Mm. or how about this xavier How about we start sharing a message proactively that encourages people to stay connected with themselves, with their friends, their family, their neighbors, and really focus on the positive proactive steps that we can take. Mm. Proaction is something that's really difficult to sell. You know, finding businesses, finding, you know, even the medical community, the drug community, they don't want to support those types of initiatives because there's not a lot of money in prevention. Mm -hmm. And so... Really, you know, if we know that we can prevent all of these illnesses and the costs associated with them, at least to some degree, you know, I think the old adage is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that it's a a really smart investment on behalf of government to step in and be part of educating people about the importance of human connection Mm -hmm. and then giving them the catalyst, giving them the reason to actually reach out to one another. And, and the whole concept around our Genwell weekends that we had one in May and one in September is about bringing people together around the idea of human connection. Because when we do something all at the same time, think of you know St. Patrick's Day, you know the 4th of July, New Year's Eve, we all know what to do. Mm-hmm. And when we all know what to do and it's focused on a positive message, it makes it easier for us all. We all know that on the 4th of July, you put on the Star Spangled Banner, you put on the colors, a silly hat, you know, get some noisemakers and, you know, go outside and connect at a park with your friends, whoever. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a bit of what we're talking about. But what we need to do is explain to people why that is so important. Yes, it's about celebrating our country, but actually what it is is a, a catalyst to get people to get connected. And so if we can educate people and we can give them a few more catalysts throughout the course of the year that help them build healthier connections, then we will all be better off. And governments need to be a part of it because the longer term implication is less people heading, ending up in an emergency room or a doctor's office. Mm. And I think it's going to take a lot of innovation and a lot of just, you know, creative, unique ideas like that. And like before the pandemic, I saw a big rise in the popularity of co-living or co-working spaces. And I think that's also uh, very important. We have another question from a user, Remy Flazzi here. Uh, He says, 
What if the problem is you speaking in general when it comes to socializing and don't have enough confidence to apply yourself to community or you're afraid of rejections? That was something we spoke about earlier, kind of being an introvert or just being afraid to break out of your shell. If you could speak on that again. Yeah, Remy, uh, it's a great question. and I think there's a lot of people who face it. So, you know, I, I kind of run down the list. So, you know, if you're able to go out and just knock on somebody's door, awesome. That's great. If that's not something you can do, certainly there's your, your family that you might be able to reach out to. That doesn't work. Okay, well, we have our Genwell weekends or what will be a Genwell weekend when we come back, which are weekends specifically dedicated to reaching out and getting connected. So now you have an excuse to reach out to somebody and get connected by saying, hey, I'm reaching out to have a coffee with you or I'm trying to get a few people together for a barbecue because we're celebrating the Genwell project, which is about catalyzing our family, our street, our community to get connected. So maybe there's a solution. But, you know, Xavier and I talked about it earlier. If all else fails, if family, friends, neighbors and colleagues don't work for you right now because we can't get out and go have a coffee and get connected with strangers just by sitting on a cafe and having a coffee, well, then I think the real uh, the real solution is about volunteering and finding your community um, we can all help somebody. There's nothing, there's no greater feeling than seeing a smile on somebody's face when you acknowledge them and you help them and you show your kindness and support. So what is it that you're passionate about? Is it helping seniors? Is it helping young people? Is it helping the homeless? Is it helping people that have food insecurity? You know, is it, is it about the environment? Do you want to go out and meet a group of people that are going to go clean up a park? You know, find the thing that you're passionate about and then go, you know, I hate to say, go search the internet, you know, <laughs> type in your passion and your local community. And if it's not in your local community, I'm sure it's not far away. Mm. And there's your first step. And obviously in the midst of the pandemic, it's a bit of a bit of a challenge mm -hmm. right now. You know, a lot of 1-800 lines have been set up to help people that are feeling lonely and isolated. When we are lonely and isolated, unfortunately, a lot of us get into our heads and we ruminate. And mm -hmm. when we ruminate, that's when we start to think that we're not good enough, smart enough, attractive enough, wealthy enough. And it's all BS because frankly, you're all of it. And, you know, all we need to do is get out of our own head. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're at that stage and you can't get out because of the pandemic, pick up a phone, have a conversation with a uh, with somebody at one of the support lines it's all anonymous, so you don't have to divulge. You just want to get out of your own head and have a conversation. So I hope, Remy, that kind of gives you a little bit of a step-by-step. -step. Here's 10 different ideas, mm -hmm. and just pick the one that's right for you. Yes, thank you for that question, Remy. And I, this is really like become an issue that, that I'm focused on because I have a little brother who's 15, and my family just moved from New York to Pennsylvania, so a different state, about three hours away. He's now doing school virtually there, and he has no friends. So, like, I really feel for him when I speak with him, and he says that, you know, like, this has been tough for me because in normal circumstances, you know, he could go and join the football team or he can make friends in, in the classroom. Right now, virtually, it's very, very difficult, and he's been feeling, like, the need to come back to uh, our old, like uh, where we used to live, which is three hours away. He's been trying to do it every single weekend because he doesn't want to feel lonely. He doesn't want to feel like he's out there by himself with nobody his age range. It's a challenging time, uh, Xavier. Your brother's in a in a bit of a unique situation. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what we did on our street up here in Toronto. Um, we used the WhatsApp uh, app, and um, 
it just turns out that of, you know, seven or eight families that have kids on our street, none of them go to the same school. It's, it's really crazy. Mm -hmm. And so, but the parents, you know, we'd seen each other on the street. Uh, we certainly knew a couple of them, but what we did at the start of the pandemic is we actually got each other all onto the same WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. And now what we do is now Mike, I've got a son, he's six years old. So your brother's a little bit older and maybe this is a bit of a challenge, but you know, I hearken back to when I was a kid, there was always kids to play on the street with, whether it's ball hockey, shoot hoops or whatever the case may be. But maybe there's an opportunity for all the parents that have uh, kids the age of your brother to get onto a WhatsApp group. And, you know, if anybody is thinking about going out, you know, on the street to go shoot some hoops or, you know, hit a tennis ball, kick a soccer ball, you know, go for a walk. The reality is, why not send out a note to everybody else and just say, hey, we're going to go to the park and we're going to kick a soccer ball. And, and I'm, and I'm going to apologize because I may be saying some things that are not COVID friendly. I'm thinking shooting hoops. That may not be COVID friendly. Yeah, ball passing around. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's not shooting hoops, but you get my point. It's getting people together to do it. And then I look at you uh, as a guy who is very aware and conscious and you've already stated that you're really concerned about them. You know, what a great opportunity in the midst of everything that's going on to make a little extra time to say to your bro, hey, dude, why don't we uh, go shoot some hoops today? Or why don't we go? Because I, I lost my mom a few years ago. And in hindsight now, having run this campaign for five years, I now recognize that my mom lived many of her remaining years uh, lonely and isolated. And although I would call and go visit once or twice a week, what I realize now that 24 hours in a day, seven days a week is a lot of time to sit uh, by yourself and not feel connected to other people. So, um, yeah, anything you can do and anything that uh, the people around you can do to help your little brother, yeah. you know, this is the time to step up and make it happen. Yeah, that's so great. And before we wrap up, you have a goal of 1 million connected by 2023. Uh, can you elaborate on that goal? Do you know what? It's a goal that we threw out there. Uh, we, we've taken a pause right now where we put up a, a campaign called Disconnected, uh, which is really just highlighting the fact that we're all disconnected right now. Uh, we're in the midst of uh, redeveloping our website. We're working with some people to find some corporate partners. Mm -hmm. We're talking to government. We're talking to foundations. We're looking for the people who want to step up and take a leadership role. When we come back, we want to inspire people around this world. You know, we already have a lot of engagement in the U.S. of people, but we know we could do much better. And so we want to make sure that when we come back, we have all the tools that we can actually support people, whether it's a video, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's other tips, whether it's the research, that it's all available and we become a, a central hub for people to find out more information and, and understanding of why human connection is so important in their lives. Well, this is amazing work that you're doing. It's very important. Like I said, it, it uh, crosses borders. It crosses bound. It crosses age demographics. It affects everyone in one way or another. And having a healthier, more connected society only benefits everyone else. Like you want people to feel like they are a part of something, like they belong to your community, like that they, they can contribute something to your community. And I think that's when people bring out the best in them. They bring out their best work, the most creativity. So I thank you so much, Pete, for coming on the show tonight and telling me about your organization. Can you let the listeners and the viewers know where they can find out more? Yeah, right now they can check us out at uh, genwellproject.org and they can respond to a question that we're asking people. Are you in or are you not in right now? 
to helping make the world a happier and healthier place. You can check out our social platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, follow us on those because we'll be back real soon uh, sharing more information about the tips, tools, research, and, and motivation to get us all uh, more connected and make the world a happier and healthier place. Amazing. You are welcome anytime on this show. Pete Bombacci, founder of the GenWell Project. It's been an amazing time talking to you. You really know your stuff and you are just a, a walking book of inspirational quotes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Xavier, honestly, my friend, you know, you don't look like you're even half my age, but you have such a great handle of this subject. And it's people like you who can be real catalysts and ambassadors for sharing this message, even in what you're doing as a uh, hosting your own podcast, which is inspiring in itself. So I want to thank you for helping share the message tonight. And I hope you'll carry it with you wherever you go. Hey, it is an amazing message. And this interview is now on YouTube, Facebook, and I will also be uploading it to all podcast streaming platforms. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions, everybody who watched, and this has been a pretty normal podcast. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.